Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. Thanks for joining us. If you would leave a rating and review, we sure would appreciate it. It doesn't take long. And the benefits are numerous. One of those benefits is that it helps other people find the podcast. Another benefit is that it helps us know what you think so that we can improve the podcast. Another benefit is that we know that you listen to this part of the podcast because you go and do the rating and you, review. You did it. It helps us out. Yeah. <laughs> and you get the fulfillment of leaving a rating and review for something. That's right. That's another benefit that you that you receive. Anyway, uh, as you can tell, I'm here with producer Nathan. I'm Ben Trueblood, and we've got a really important topic today. It's vitally important. I think so, too. And so, But when we say... When we say what it is, don't skip next to the some, next episode. <laughs> some of you are going to be like, I don't want to hear about that. We'll and make it fun. I promise. I think that's part of the issue is that you you don't want to hear about it, maybe because it's not your area of gifting. Mm. And so today's topic is how to be an administrative all star. That's right. You've got to you've got to have you've got to be an admin all star. Have to. So here's the thing. I know initially, like we kind of would joke about, but I, I have talked to so many people who have questions around administrative pieces of student ministry. Um, the reality is, is that as a student pastor, you have to exercise administrative ability. Now that not, that may not be a gift that you have. It may be something that you're a weak area that you are working on growing. And that's really the point of the podcast today. Mm-hmm is that this is a must-do part of your role as a youth pastor, and it's something that you can develop. This is not a you're born with it or you're not kind of thing. This is you can develop this skill. You can bring people alongside of you to help you develop this skill, and it, it you don't have to stay where you are. But there is a level of of requirement for student ministry in this area. And I believe that your administrative ability will become your lid to effectiveness. Those who are able to kind of push through that administrative barrier and develop their skills and bring people alongside them to execute the to-do lists of ministry Mm -hmm. are able to achieve a level of effectiveness in ministry that others aren't. And that's because administration and your ability to do it is more than just about getting the tasks done. That's right. Your administrative ability also helps you build relationships. It helps you develop reputation. Uh, It earns you the right to make some mistakes sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, because you have so frequently done administrative things well well if you're always late to meetings and the 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 group is always late coming back from events and you always run long on wednesday nights uh and details are always wrong then that is going to develop a reputation for you and for the ministry that parents and other staff members are going to look at and say well if there's not care enough to get those things right then what else is there a lack of care in? And that's when you get people diving into the ministry. And instead of saying, how can I partner? How can I join you in ministry? How can I get my student involved? They're diving into the ministry to look for things that might be wrong with it. If you've ever led being, uh, if you've ever led a ministry and you felt like, man, it feels like my leader 
And it feels like the people who I'm serving, the, the parents in this ministry, it feels like these people are point are just here to point things out that I'm doing wrong. That may be because there's a reputation that's been developed that there's a lack of organization and a lack of administrative ability on your part. And especially with a supervisor, once one thing, so that whether this is your senior pastor or minister of education, family pastor, whatever, once they see a couple of non-organized or administrative type mistakes, in their mind, it's something to correct. And so they will dive in and begin to search for all of the other mistakes. So before we jump to the conclusion of, I just serve a bunch of negative people, or my leaders are always getting down on me and they're, they're really negative towards me. They're nitpicking me before we go to that and begin to blame others. I think that we should evaluate ourselves and say, have I contributed to this, to building a reputation that I did not want to develop based on a lack of administration? So that is kind of the foundation of where we're going. It's very much a part of the work that you need to do both in getting things done and developing the right reputation and right relationships that actually set you up for success and the trust of people for you to do more and take on more responsibility. Yeah, I think that's crucial. The trust aspect is really big for me. I remember in, when I was doing student ministry stuff and I wasn't really having a hard time with the person who was um, kind of our church administrator. But once I really went to them and let them know that I took administration and logistics and some of that stuff seriously too. Like all of a sudden they were willing to go, you know, above and beyond for the things that I needed. So if I accidentally did turn something in late because of whatever the circumstances, they were willing to help me out because I wasn't late, you know, all the time, time with that. And I was, I was wanting to put policies and, and procedures in place that helped help the whole church. And cause I was doing it in, in that context, it was, just for me as an interim time. And I wanted to help set the student ministry up for success for the long haul. And so that, that earned a lot of ground and respect, I think for me. And it's because I took those pieces of it seriously to somebody who that stuff mattered. Yeah. It's the, it's that it was the exception rather than the rule. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, this, this was late. This happened. This was overlooked. This budget line item went over, but that rarely happens. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. have a conversation rather than the assumption on you that, Oh, it's, it's always just right. Not just working, doing whatever, don't care about it. Cause, cause you, you probably don't intend this at all, but it comes across to other departments and other people, staff that you work with, that you only care about your one area and you don't care about the bigger picture of the church as a whole. When that very well may be the furthest thing from your mind, you're just trying to get the job done, but that's how people take it. And sometimes it's important to know how are people taking what we're doing in our actions and those kind of things. Man, that's particularly true. And we'll talk about budget more in just a little bit, but that's particularly true about budget mm-hmm. because there's a set amount of dollars. And in the student ministry, when you go over, that has to be covered from somewhere else. It, there's not like this well of money mm-hmm. that is like, oh, here it is. Yeah. That's a very rare situation. Right. And so most often what happens is that the people above you have to figure out how to cover that. Mm-hmm. And you're actually taking from another ministry area or something yeah. that could go on to cover the 
the misadministration of what you've decided to do in your budget by going over. Yeah. Like I said, we'll talk more about budget a little bit later, but Nathan, this is something that you are especially gifted to uh, is administrative and project management and being able to create, create systems. So I thought, man, spend a little bit of time talking about some of the practices that you have in place Mm -hmm. uh, that help you keep everything going because like student pastor, we want to recognize this. You have, you're spinning a lot of plates for sure. Like you have a lot to work on relationally and administratively in, in, in your job as a pastor. So we know that. And so hopefully this episode can not only help you kind of see some of the why behind this and why it's important, but also give you some tools that you can see if they work in your context for you personally. Now, if I could just repeat that for one second before Nathan dives in, uh, you've got to find what works for you. Absolutely. If you try to take Nathan's stuff and it's it doesn't fit your personality and who you are, then you might get frustrated and say, well, I'm going to leave a rating review and that stuff didn't help me. But there may be principles within what Nathan is saying and what he does that you can take away and say, oh, if I just tweak it or shape it this little bit, then it's going to be something that's helpful for me. So Nathan, why don't you share some of the things that are helpful for you and uh, that, that help you in your project management administrative ability? Yeah. uh, I'll just echo that again, Ben, two things. It's something that can be refined. It can be worked on. It's a skill that you can get better at no matter what level you're on. I find myself constantly being like, Oh, I can get better at this or, or work on this aspect of it more. And then it's also something, again, like you said, Ben, you have to find what works best for you. That's, the, I think, the biggest thing when it comes to administration is some people who aren't maybe as as naturally inclined to it. You know, somebody gives them a system and they're told to work inside of it. And that system either maybe doesn't even make sense to them. Yeah. Like they're like, I can't follow this process because I don't understand why this person would do it like this. For me, as a person who loves systems, I hate a system when it doesn't make logical sense. <laughs> it's like the worst thing in the world. To and me. the weirdest thing about it is like. It could make sense to person B. Right. But you're like, I don't know how you got there from here. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it's you know, there's, and nowadays there's all these different ways to do, to do math with, and you still get the same answer. And I only understand like the way That's I was right. taught originally, but anyway, yeah. a couple different methods that I use and I think can be effective. Again, figure this kind of piece out for you, but I like to do one. A lot of people love notepads or to like a to-do list. I think a to-do list is really important, but uh, was shown to me somewhat even fairly recently was what's called a brain dump. And so I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with the amount of work that we have to do. And we're not we're not really thinking through each of the, the steps or the task. We're just like, oh, I've got this big looming thing I've got to do. Or all of a sudden you just know, like, I've got 20 things to do, but you can only think of 10 of them. And you're like, I, what else am I supposed to do? So the idea of a brain dump is you just take a notepad, a whiteboard, whatever you've got. I mean, it could be a phone computer, whatever, but you just literally put down everything that you've got to do, everything that you can think of, and just kind of get all of that out on paper. And so that act of getting it all out on paper really just kind of helps. I've found for me, it kind of helps declutter my mind, helps me uh, to then be able to look at that list. And then then what I do is I look at that list and I look at several different categories and I try to put all of those and group those together. Then that's how I formulate my to-do list. So you're going to always have a task that maybe you're working on an aspect uh, of camp and you're like, man, I need to call, you know, the resort or 
find out about registration or something like that. So that's the piece of it you you can put down that you want to work on from there. But you're going to have other tasks that like you need to get done like fairly quickly, but may only take five minutes. So then I try to organize and put together some of those quick five minute tasks and look at my calendar. So if I've got, oh, I've got 30 minutes in between meetings, I can be productive and knock out these four or five quick five minute tasks, right? Like I've got to send this email to this adult or this volunteer. I need to check in on this. And some of those things that I think sometimes until we see that, oh, that really will only take just a few minutes. It just kind of clutters our mind of all these different things to do. And then you've also got to schedule time for for the big task. Uh, one of my big things, this comes from so you, uh, but they always say swallow the big frog first. And to me, that's a big yeah. aspect of get get the big project out of the way first. For my own self, sometimes if I don't know where to start, I can be I can procrastinate. And so I've had to learn over the years. I just need to start. And even if I start and then I'm in and I'm like, I'm moving the wrong direction, then I can correct course. And I'm but I'm better off because I've started the project. So at least getting getting a start, but blocking out time, I think uh, being a principal you talked about before is just blocking off enough time for for a task. So like if especially something that's super creative, at least like an hour and a half yeah. uh, to really be able to dive into that task. And so for me, when I work on big projects or big things that are whether that's vision casting or kind of big wild idea or setting up like some of the conferences that we've done kind of dreaming sessions those are the ones i want a long time because i want to kind of throw i love to do something of throw the wild and crazy ideas out there and see what sticks because then you never know what wild and crazy idea you have for an event might be actually attainable yeah you know whenever you throw it out there and then you have some ideas that you're just like oh that that's not going to work on what we're trying to do or doesn't fit our mission or vision or whatever but it's good to weed through some of those ideas because then that that's a refining process right to use an example of metallurgy or making our some swords or something yeah pulling, yeah but you don't refine metal by just grabbing some iron and throwing it together it goes through the fire and through the process over and over and over and over to get out the impurities and i think a lot of pieces of our administration and tasks and doing these things is kind of the same way it just it takes time and practice over and over to figure out what works well for you and don't be afraid of that don't don't think oh one system's going to solve it all i've had to find that it's many systems me taking the pieces of them i like together putting it together that really has what's worked well for me yeah a, a conglomeration of these things across these different what people have said and how they administrate their lives that form the system that works for you Mm -hmm. and it does take a little time to do that and that's why we've constantly gone back to growing in your administrative ability and surrounding yourself with people who are administratively strong so that you can pick up Mm -hmm. some of the little pieces of what they do to form your strategy uh i was speaking at an event one time And I asked this question fully believing that no one in the audience would say yes. But uh, I was teaching on the passage in Proverbs uh, 27 about iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I said, anybody in here a blacksmith? And like this 10th grade guy raises his hand. Of course. And I was like, okay, we I've been in student ministry long enough. I know you. Mm-hmm. you're the 10th grade guy that just says, I'm a blacksmith. It, like you're, mm-hmm. you would say you're anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I said, no, you're not. And he was like, and his people around him were like, no, he really is. Oh wow, Yeah. So he says, I have pictures. So I brought him up I and mean, this, mm-hmm. this is like 700 people. And right. so I yeah, brought yeah. him up and he had like legit pictures. Like wow. he's quenching a blade in the oil or water or whatever. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah. But he was a legit blacksmith. So it was cool uh, in that moment. 
that has nothing to do with uh, with this other than you brought up metallurgy. Uh, you mentioned the time frame too, uh, to really think about a project and really plan something. And I think that's an important part of administration. You you mentioned 90 minutes and that that is what I grabbed onto at, after reading a book that I can't remember which which book it came from. But the argument that the author was making is that 90 minutes is enough time for your brain to spin up and get into the place that you need it to be in to do very focused, intentional work. And then 90 minutes is long enough to where you can stay in that kind of mindset without being thrown off or distracted at the end or whatever. Yeah. And I think what happens to student pastors more than anything else is not a man. I don't have a desire administration, stupid. I'm just not doing it. I don't right. think that's a reality for, for most people. Yeah. I also don't think that student pastors are by and large, uh, terrible ad at administration. I think that is an incorrect stereotype. I think so too. Yeah. What I think is that people get distracted. Yeah. And it takes an intense focus mm -hmm. to be able to be good at administrative tasks because most of the time they aren't like the super joy filling right. types of things. Yeah. But they're things that you must do in order to get to the joy. Yep. And so I don't think people just hate like people hate it and just say, I'm not going to do it. And I don't think that people that student ministry in general is this lack of administration group, I think we just allow ourselves to get distracted. I think those of you that serve in student ministry that struggle with this, you are allowing the outside influences and the other things to invade your calendar and invade your time. Yeah. And that is what's causing you to be unorganized and to have mm -hmm. a lack of administration or administrative ability. So when you, you, you need to plan on your calendar, these, this is when I'm going to do these administrative tasks. Whenever it fits in your calendar, that's when you need to do it. And I would suggest, again, block off 90 minutes. Have your system that you've worked on. It doesn't have to be perfect. It has, to, But make sure it matches with you and how you think and how you work. Yep. But blocking out time to spend on those things where you will not be interrupted is absolutely important. So if that means put your phone like it has the focus mode. Mm -hmm. If you have an iPhone, you can put it on the focus mode. And it's not going to go off. All of your notifications are going to be kept there and you're going to be on. Listen, 99% of us can go 90 minutes without receiving a notification and the world is still going to keep yeah. rolling. Or having to respond to that email or that text about something weeks from now or something that totally fine later in the day. Yeah. you. 99% of us do not need to have that immediate communication Yep. and immediate response. There's going to be time in two hours where you can, where you can do that. Yep. Nathan, I would love for to hear, uh, just like match up administration with calendar. Like how does mm -hmm. calendar impact, uh, a person's administrative ability and skill? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think several different ways. I think sometimes I find a lot of people don't calendar enough and I will even on my calendar, I'll go in and put blocks of blocks in, even if it's just for me and it doesn't like it's not a meeting with anybody else. I'll put in, you know, for example, edit the podcast on this date and this time. And so like, especially if my schedule's super busy in a week and I know I've got to get that done, then, you know, that way something else doesn't 
come up into it. Well, and this is also something that comes from our very good friend, Mr. Zach Workin. But nice. Zach says the place in which we do our work also matters. And that, and at first, I, not at first, I was always the kind of person I always did my work in the same place. But now I'm really starting to become a believer in that. And I thought back through a lot of my time in student ministry. Every Tuesday, I would go up to the youth room for about two hours and do my sermon prep and I would be prepping I would be reviewing for that current Wednesday night so a, you know a day later and then I would be working most of that time was then spent working towards the the message that was coming the next Wednesday so I was trying to stay ahead but that helped keep me fresh and in for what I was about to teach but also further ahead in the Bible story so I'd, constantly connecting the stories together because I did yeah. a very expositional we'd walk through books of the Bible to me that became a thing a rhythm of like this is where I go because it was nobody was going to be up there it wasn't going to be distracting it was going to be quiet it would be the place in which I would be delivering that message later on you know so that it really became a thing but then going back to just the earning of respect but like the staff knew Tuesday mornings at that time, like that's what I was doing. It wasn't the secretary wasn't just saying or Mr. Evans wasn't saying, oh, I don't know what the youth guy's doing. He's probably up in there. Like they didn't walk by the youth room and hear the ping pong ball bouncing right around. <laughs> I'd be just playing ping pong with myself or whatever. So, but so I think the place in which we do that work can matter too. I think it's important to calendar that time, set it aside, do those chunks of work so that your mind is fresh and able to give it the attention that it deserves. It's important to know your your body and how your rhythms are. Like when are you a little bit more tired in the day or when do you find it harder to focus? And I think those are a good time to schedule those. Okay, now let me catch up on all of these different things. So what that's catch up on the phone calls, catch up on the emails, the texts, all that kind of stuff. Because you don't need to be super focused for that, right? You're, uh, you may be answering a question from a mom of like, what time's the lock-in to when do I need to turn in my camp form, right? Like that, we don't need super focus for those kind of yeah, moments, there are so. tasks that you can save for when your brain is is less sharp. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So we mentioned budget earlier and this one, like I can get a little uh, like soapboxy about a budget. I won't really do that through this medium, but I do believe strongly that one of the best ways that you can show uh, your professionalism that you can show your trustworthiness is through your spending and management of the budget. So in many cases, you're at a place where you're handed a budget where or you build it and it's approved. But many places you're told this is how much you have to spend. And when you're told this is how much you have to spend, that's given to you for a reason. Mm-hmm. That is a, an amount that was a, that we trust was thoughtfully and prayerfully attained. Now, for us as student ministry people to go to willingly and knowingly go beyond that budget and overspend because we have this belief that if I overspend, I'll get more next year. That's not wise. I I believe that uh, has sinful motivation. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that shows a lack of responsibility rather than a I want to earn the right to spend more money that actually should put in people's minds the opposite thing. I was not able to be a good steward of what I was given. Mm-hmm. And so why would you be given more to steward if you couldn't steward what you had? Yeah. Now, there are going to be moments where the budget is uh, is overspent. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some things that you can't control. Sometimes you're going to put X amount of dollars in for transportation and something's going to happen in our culture and gas prices are going to skyrocket and your budget is going to be over Mm -hmm. because of something you can't control. Uh, There are going to be those things that happen from time to time. 
Okay, that's a different thing than willfully and knowingly overspending the budget and seeking to overspend it. Uh, And so in those situations, communication is key. Operate with a no surprises mentality with your leaders and make sure that they know what's coming up and that they know what has happened. And generally with those kinds of things, you know, with a little lead time, it's like, oh, man. We planned this way. It's actually coming back this way. Mm-hmm. And we can, so I need to let my leaders know and we need to work on this together. I mentioned earlier that the the, the stealing from another area when mm-hmm. we go over budget, that's a real thing. Yeah, The church has allotted X amount of dollars for X amount of places in the ministry. And if one area goes over, then that has to be covered by someone else or somewhere else in the budget. And so it's a very real thing. So it, it, it this is a relationship building tool. This is about teamwork. This is about stewardship and responsibility and your yeah. trustworthiness. The attitude that is expressed in something like, I lost my receipts, but not my salvation. The attitude that is expressed in that kind of mentality. And listen, I know that's a little funny throwaway kind of statement, but the attitude that is expressed there is not a healthy one if you are a person who wants to be a trustworthy and responsible youth pastor. Yeah. The receipts are important. Yep, they are. And and they should be to you. If you want to be a person who is a good steward of what God has given you in terms of a budget. Yeah, for sure. It, it really does go a long way. Again, like we said at the beginning, but building trust with the other people that you work with. And it also goes a long way too in just understanding that the budget, that, that it goes both ways too. So example, I always go back to just the example of, you know, the furnace breaks and all of a sudden your church is spending who knows, $10,000 or more to fix the furnace. And now you don't get the upgrades for the youth room. And you can either be incredibly bitter and mad about that and complain, or you can just be like, or understand that through your attitude that, Hey, you know, this was unfortunate, but again, like you said, it has to come from some other area. So maybe you're not able to get the upgrades and stuff, something that you were looking forward to, but how you handle that situation, how you talk about the fellow people that you work with and staff. And it really does go to show the level of respect that you have for them. Um, and I think you're right, Ben. I think the budgeting process is one that sometimes we maybe don't like to take it seriously, but it is vitally important that we take it seriously because especially to whoever your boss is, they are taking it seriously. They're probably taking it a lot more serious than you. I remember for me working camp as a program director, I was very in, involved in what I th- in like the areas of the programming. So that was worship and morning celebration, all those kind of stuff. But then when I stepped into the director role, it became exponentially more so that I was concerned about even the other areas. Yes, I had people to run those, but I was, you know, I was concerned like, is Rec, does Rec get out on time? Has Rec spent too much money in supplies this week, even though I wasn't a financial, like it, it all kind of rolls up. So I think senior pastors really feel that as well. And so you got to remember they're looking at the much broader context, whereas I think we can get really focused just on our, our individual area. I think that's kind of natural, but just remember, you know, hopefully they've got your best interest at heart too. And you need to have their best interest. You need to give them whoever you're responsible to the benefit of the doubt that they are trying to do the very best that they can. Yeah. And I think a key that we've gotten back to over and over and over that I want to mention at this point too, is relying on other people to help you here. And Mm -hmm. there are some tasks that you might be doing right now that you could delegate to someone else. And that is an appropriate way. If you have that, that context, there's other people on your staff or whatever, Uh, or the other people you've trained up, but even more so than that, who are the people around you that are excellent at administration and organization? Ask them to help you. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is a thing again that we mentioned right off the top that can be grown. You can learn from others in this. And there are small group leaders in your church. There are people that are already serving in your ministry. There are probably people on your staff that you look at and say, man, that person is much better administrative. Like they're already an admin Mm all-star. Their administrative ability is something that I would love to, to learn from. Ask them about it. They probably would love to sit down and talk to you about their processes and how they stay organized and the way they do their calendar. And all those things are very, very important. So take some time to learn from other people. Identify those people. Man, if it's a parent in your ministry that you have a lot of respect for in this area, sitting down with them and having the humility to say, hey, this is an area of growth that I want to have over this next year. Would you be able to meet with me X amount of times and look at how I work and help me get better in this area? Mm -hmm. I think that's totally appropriate. That person would probably enjoy partnering with you in that. And the people that you report to are going to see you making active steps in that direction. That also will help build reputation of somebody who cares deeply about their work, of somebody who is responsible and trustworthy. Listen, if we're going to teach passages like whether you are eating or drinking and whatever you do, do it to the glory Mm -hmm. of God, then that has to translate into our lives in ministry and that the administrative work and the effort that you put in and the care that you have towards the organizational side of ministry, we have to do that as though we're working for the Lord as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got people, hopefully you've got people around you that are good at admin and want to help in that respect. I think a lot of times it's easy for us to, or it's easy, I think, for adults to kind of look into student ministry and be like, man, I don't know where I'd volunteer because I don't know if I can be bring that level of energy all the time. And you're like, man, well, but they're great at planning an event or they're great at taking care of like catering needs. I, I, two of the people that two of my best volunteers that I had, one one lady was incredible at event planning and management and taking care of food and catering. And she would just line people up like it was fantastic. And the other one was a lady who worked in HR and she was great at helping recruit other leaders and helping just making sure that people were taken care of and a very caring person. Uh, they would they would be mortified if they were up on stage having to lead a game. Right. But they were absolutely crucial and vital to the ministry and what we did we did so much more because of their skills in administrative work and the care that they took for adults and other volunteers and so you've got hopefully you've got people like that in your student ministries it may just take you know asking and and they may be afraid to come to you and ask because they don't quite know how to get involved in student ministry and these are i think crucial roles that sometimes can be overlooked as a for a volunteer absolutely well, I, I believe that you can be an admin all-star and you might be at this point, you're saying, man, I've been in student ministry for over a decade and administration is something that I've always struggled with, or you might be just starting out. And I believe that it's possible for you to grow in this area, to be an admin all-star and for those things to expand the lid of effectiveness that you have in your ministry. When we, remember, we started off by saying your administrative ability will eventually be your lid. I would like to submit that it's possible for you to take that lid away through what you do over this next year and growing in this particular part of your leadership. This has been an episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next time.